Pryor, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night as I'm recording this, uh, following NFL Sunday, following a couple of fun N- or NBA games, excuse me, uh, one between the Los Angeles Lakers and Memphis Grizzlies that went pretty close to the distance. Or no, it did go the distance, basically. Uh, John Morant is something special. He is, he's really proven that to the masses for sure. Uh, Golden State and Sacramento was pretty good. Uh, there are some other so-so games that, that went on, but this is a Nuggets podcast, and I know that you guys are chomping at the bits for some Nuggets content after a couple days off for this Denver Nuggets team. Last game was Friday. Got Saturday and Sunday off. Uh, going to be interesting to see a couple. Uh, we got a couple back to backs this week on Monday and Tuesday, and then another two days off on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, I think that though the season is still a little bit condensed because of the the lack of off season this past year, although it was a a larger off season in general, still a shorter off season, and uh, but the 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 actual regular season is the same length as it usually is, and we haven't been used to that in a while. So we're going to get more two days off, uh, one day off, uh, less or fewer back-to-backs in general, uh, just because they're going to be spread out over 82 games as opposed to 72. Uh, and I'm pretty excited about it. I think this should be a lot of fun for the schedule, but it really is a marathon, so we have to pace ourselves and I'm really talking to myself first because there's so much Nuggets content that you want to get to. There's so much that you want to generate. And I have a lot that I want to talk about, but I have to be patient with my takes. You don't want to say something that's completely wrong uh, just because you're overreacting to the first couple of games, you know? So I am doing my best to be patient here, but I do have some questions and I do have some general thoughts that I think are important uh, for this upcoming uh, week, especially. Denver has four games this week. Should be fun. Should learn a lot about this Nuggets team over the course of these next four games. Um, But I think that the first two really showcased some questions that I think are very fair if you're covering the Nuggets. So going to address five in the first segment, five in the second segment, and we'll cut, cut the third segment in this one. And I think it should be interesting to just sort of revisit this after a week. So this is what I'm thinking about right now. First five questions, here we go. Number one, is Nikola Jokic better than last year? I'm I'm dead serious about that because he just entered his prime last season. And it's very clear that he has elevated his game over the course of this last year. Uh, to a different place, to a different level than it was before. Uh, Some of that was responsibility that he had to own. Some of that was a mentality change. Some of that was getting into the best shape of his career. Uh, And some of that was just knowing his place in the league and that he's one of the best players in it and that he can very clearly be the best if that's what he desires. And I think that he likes that. I think he he's very competitive, uh, despite the fact that he has a a normally calm, easygoing, uh, nonchalant demeanor. Uh, he's a very competitive person. 
it's not necessarily showing up in individual awards or anything like that, but he wants his team to win desperately. And it hits him hard when he doesn't. I think that his tempo has been great this year. I think that he has understood when and how to attack defenses, when and how to uh, up the intensity level. And I think that's borne out in these past couple of games where he knows that he has to get the team out to a lead, uh, try to recover as much as possible if they give it up after that. And then when the game is reaching third quarter and fourth quarter stages, he's approaching that from a healthy perspective too, knowing that he has to lock in on defense, make good decisions, and clearly looks unbothered by the moment and also unbothered by his previous MVP award. He doesn't care about that thing. He's he's happy that he won it, but I don't think it's changed how he acts in the negative in any way, shape, or form. If anything, it's, it's matured him a little bit, where he understands who he is and what he has to be for this team in order for the team to win, to be successful. So it's pretty cool to see. I've liked what I've seen from him, of course. How can you not? And I am curious to see whether this is just the first two games or whether this is something that we can consistently expect uh, kind of in a follow-up to his previous MVP performance. Number two, is Michael Porter Jr. better than last year? You ask the same question about Nikola Jokic, I think it's fair to ask the same question about Michael Porter. Uh, There have been signs, there have been tidbits of improvement, to be clear. It hasn't always been bad with him, despite the fact that scored seven points in the second game, just 15 in the first game, not necessarily getting a ton of shots up and uh, sometimes looks good defensively, sometimes doesn't look good defensively. But what I will say um, is that the shots have not come consistently. And when they have, it hasn't been it hasn't been the shot selection that I was hoping to see from him. He looks like he's getting shots like a shooting guard right now where he's running off of screens, running off of DHOs, doing a good job of of freeing himself up in those regards and and getting himself some open shots. But at 6'10", 6'11", to see him running around like a shooting guard, it's very reminiscent of Steph Curry. And it took Steph Curry a long time to really perfect that. And it's taking Michael Porter a little bit of time to really clear up uh, just what his shot selection is going to be. Because right now it's not with the ball. Right now it's not ball handling wise. Uh, He's had a couple possessions with the ball, but they've been few and far between. I want to see what he looks like when he's running sets. I want to see what it looks like when he's in different positions where he can create for others with his ball handling, with his shooting, uh, by leveraging his own scoring and then helping out others get involved. We saw five assists in the first game and zero assists in the second game. And there was a very clear delineation between the two. He wasn't pressuring himself to make those shots in the first game. It seemed like he really wanted to get those shots off in the second. When he had those opportunities, he let them fly. There were less of them. And that was just kind of a byproduct of the game plan. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm not sure how he feels about that. I actually, I can tell that he probably doesn't feel great about that, but it's hard to assume. It's hard to just say so. So 
I am very curious to see what he's better at this year. Because right now, I'm not really sure. Number three, does Monte Morris have another level? This is different than the better than last year question mark, because I think that Monte Morris has really improved every year, just in very, very small ways, where it's more of a mentality thing, where it's a it's a small getting to the rim thing, or it's being comfortable with the pull-up jumper against elite athletes. Uh, he came into camp having recovered from an offseason surgery, but he hadn't played a ton in the offseason, hadn't worked too hard on the game itself. And he still looks a bit rusty. Still looks like he has the makings of a starting caliber guard. Don't get me wrong. Like I've I've liked what I've seen from him overall. And one of the things that I've really liked is that the defense has been his best attribute. I really do think that just kind of going back and watching some of these possessions, some of these games, he's being pretty smart. He's playing a pretty steady game out there. And I think he's one of the reasons why this defense has been the way it has been. Because it can't just be one person. I mean, I think Jokic has improved. I think Porter has improved moderately, maybe mildly. I think Gordon is locked in. I think Barton is locked in. But I do think that Morris has improved. Now, the real question with this, though, is can he rack up the assists to the high level? Can he facilitate for others in a way that so far with the starting unit he hasn't seen really? He's actually been more of a scorer than he has been a passer so far with the starters. Can he rack up those assists? Can he use his physical traits to manipulate the defense rather than just simply taking what's offered? Because I think that's probably the next step to his game where rather than taking what the defense gives him, I want to see him manipulate things so that he can create those open shots for his teammates. He's always been a take what the defense gives you kind of player and is really maxed out at that. But get, going into the starting unit, the defense is giving you less, especially as they continue to key in on him. So I'm very curious to see whether he can take that up to another level because if his assists go up to 8, 9, 10, 12, which he's capable of doing, he's done it before, then it could really help the rest of the starting units and maybe even some of the staggered bench units too. Number four, is Aaron Gordon okay with being a permanent fifth option? Uh, this is a short segment. He's spoken about being okay with his role, being happy with his role, and maybe that's true. But six shots in each of the first two games, uh, games that went down to the wire where he played a bunch of minutes, 28, 29, 30 minutes, not super involved as anything other than a screener, an occasional ISO or post guy. Uh, his game really hasn't been that when he's at his best in Denver, and that's okay. He's got to be used as a cutter. He's got to be used as a as a screener. Uh, he's got to be used on the offensive glass. He's been averaging two offensive rebounds per game in these first two games. That's great. 6.5 rebounds total. That's pretty good. I just worry about Michael Malone and what he said. The, the quote that I think it was, I'm paraphrasing here, guys were upset we were drawing up so many plays for Nicola. Uh, that was in the, the post-game uh, presser for the San Antonio game where Nikola Jokic, he only shot the ball 19 times. 
So it's not like he was super overloaded in terms of his opportunities. Uh, there were other shot attempts for other guys. And so it was kind of surprising to see Michael Malone say that because it really wasn't that crazy of a distribution over the course of those first two games. Now, 23 shots in the first game, 19 shots in the second game. I don't know. Jokic is going to have a higher usage rate without Murray. I think that's pretty clear. And I hope that the rest of the starting unit is okay with that. And I wonder if there's something with Aaron Gordon where he may not be okay with that either. Now, he's been okay. He said he's okay. And I don't want to put words in his mouth or put anything out there that's like wild. That's that's just out there too much. It's probably an MPJ thing. It's probably the fact that Porter had 10 shots in each of the first two games. And Gordon had, uh, well, he was fine because he's, he's in his role. But if Jokic has double the shot attempts that Porter does, I don't think that's really conducive of a long-term Nuggets future, uh, but that's okay. It's just something that I worry about with Gordon, Will. Whether it's uh, verbalized or if it's just internalized and pushed under the surface, if there's something there, uh, they have to address it because Gordon's here for the long haul. He signed a contract. He signed up for this for the next five years. So I got to get that figured out. And then number five. Is Will Barton taking a mini leap? 16 points, 6.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists, 48% from the field, 50% from three. Against some tough competition in the backcourt as well. The Suns, the Spurs, CP3, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, Derek White, DeJounte Murray, Devin Vassell. Lots of guys in the San Antonio Spurs mold that are really, really good. Lots of guys in the Phoenix Suns backcourt that are really, really good, really talented, really good defensively. And Barton was really good in both games. I've been really impressed with Barton. Uh, He looks great at shooting guard. Looks very athletic. Might need to rein in the shot selection at times, but it is really 95% good. Nuggets fans are very much focusing on the 5% as opposed to the 95, which bad Nuggets fans, bad. Will Barton is a good basketball player. Stop it. Uh, The defense looks great with Will too. That is something that really stands out as well. Uh, He got the uh, defensive player of the game uh, chain from Michael Malone and the coaching staff after game one. I like it. I think it's a good sign and that it came against Devin Booker in a game where Devin Booker went three of 15. That's great. You like to see that. If Barton just plays like a top 75 player in the NBA, they're in a great spot. They're definitely in a great spot for when Murray returns. Um, Because at that point, you'll be able to stagger. You'll be able to do a lot of different things with the rotation. Monte Morris will be a better player for having been a starter. And then hopefully the overall bench strengthens as well. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the second round of questions facing the bench. But first, this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, I love DraftKings. I love that they introduce same-game parlays on all of their games, uh, NFL, NBA. Uh, If you want to bet on the World Series, then you absolutely can. The Houston Astros, Atlanta Braves, congrats to both of those teams. More so the Braves, let's be honest. Uh, 
that should be a lot of fun. And DraftKings, they are giving you all of the opportunities to bet on those games, uh, whether it's over-unders, uh, odds, uh, just in general for uh, the spread on a lot of these different platforms. Uh, they give you player props. They give you times for when players score, times for when teams uh, finally go up. There's just a lot to like about what DraftKings is putting out there on a consistent basis, and they're partnering with us so that if we help you sign up on DraftKings by using promo code MHS, then we're all connected, then we're all we're all good. And it, it shows us that we are doing our jobs over here for DraftKings and for uh, Denver Stiffs and Mile High Sports and everything like that. And I am very excited to be partnered with them as always. So Make sure to use promo code MHS when you sign up for DraftKings and make sure to let them know that you came from us. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Helps me out greatly. Helps show everybody that you're tuning in, that you're listening in, and and enjoying it. So thank you so much. If you ever go do that, just let me know. Uh, DM me on Twitter, uh, message me on Twitter, or just uh, tag me in whatever you want to show. I've I've gotten some great reviews in the past, and uh, and I have an all-time favorite. So if you ever beat that all-time favorite, then I will make sure to... uh, to share it with the world. Okay, second round of questions here. This one is more focused on the bench, uh, more focused on what's been going on with them. The first one, what is the biggest issue? What is the biggest issue with the bench? I think people have their notions. I think that it's probably scoring off the dribble, being comfortable shooting off the dribble, handling that responsibility having somebody that you can kind of center your entire offense around. But I'm not sure. I'm definitely not. Because Denver has had these opportunities where they have had good bench units in the past, and those guys haven't been the focus of it. It's been more drive and kick. It's been more uh, back cuts. It's been playmaking at the elbows by bigs and things like that with Mason Plumley. Uh, there are definitely other ways for the bench to be good. I think that for this particular group, though, I think that the majority is right on this, that scoring off the dribble, that having a playmaker, having somebody with the ball in their hands who can both score, playmake, who can handle that responsibility, I definitely think that there's something to that. Because this Nuggets group, uh, the Nuggets bench in particular, the unit of Faku, Monte, or not Monte, Faku, Austin Rivers, P.J. Dozier, Jeff Green, Jamichael Green. They are minus 21 in 20 minutes. They have a minus 50 net rating. And it's been both on the offensive end and defensive end, but mostly on the de- on the offensive end where they have struggled. 73 offensive rating, 123 defensive rating. That's really bad. 73 is really bad. Anything below... 
a hundred and you know that you're an issue. A hundred to like one ten on the offensive end, and you're like, okay, this is this is fine. Above one ten and you're doing just fine. I think that Denver's going to need somebody who can set the table for others by getting downhill and getting to the rim and finishing efficiently. Now, Faku does half of that. He sets up people well. He has a very creative passing game. It does a really nice job of getting others involved, setting up people with the ball in the shooting pocket when they do have an opportunity. But those opportunities aren't always the best. Uh, You need to be shooting 40% from three, 45% from three, in order to make it up sometimes. Because that's the pick and pop game. That's the driving kick game. That's the uh, not necessarily really getting into the lane. And you're still having to rely on the outside shot. But if Faku isn't shooting off the dribble, that could be an issue. Now, could Bones do that? Possibly. Possibly. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, No guarantee. I think that Bones deserves an opportunity, to be clear. I think that he outplayed the competition in the preseason. And he is the prototypical style of offensive player that I think could really use, that, that this Denver bench could really use. Somebody who stretches the floor vertically, but can also get to the rim and also has the mentality and the skill to be able to hit players for passes on a consistent basis kind of mixes in a lot of what Faku does with the drive and kick game while also being able to shoot from 30 feet and get to the rim and shoot efficiently around the rim. Because in reality, it's not the outside shooting that really hurts Faku. It's the fact that when he does drive to the rim, he's not a threat to shoot unless he's wide open. So we'll see if they can fix that. We'll see if maybe PJ Dozier takes a little bit of extra opportunity there. We'll see if Faku just improves. Or we'll see Bones get an opportunity. I think that's all a possibility. Number seven, do the Nuggets need a rim roller in the second unit? Because I think what's really gotten lost with how Denver has sort of run their second unit is that it's all five out. It is all trying to space the floor from the top of the key, from the two wings, and from the corners. There isn't a lot of vertical spacing uh, or at the rim. Rim gravity is what I'm talking about. Last year, JaVale McGee, Isaiah Hartenstein, they were two of Denver's options at times. And I thought that the offense actually looked better with those guys because they gave Denver a more traditional setup in the pick and roll. Now, Millsap and Green... Jamichael Green were the primary pairing off the bench last year after the trade deadline. And the offense looked bad with them then. So I'm not really sure what the difference is going to be with Millsap and or with uh, Green and Green now. Because I think that Jeff Green, while I think he's a slightly improved offensive player, I don't think he fundamentally changes what Denver does. And they didn't fundamentally change their backcourt to kind of coincide with that. Faku's still out there, still have some of the same issues. So I'm not surprised that the offense is struggling. 
Faku's also looked pretty good with JaVale, with Hartenstein, and with Jokic. I think he's looked worse when the guys that are out there are solely pick and pop options, guys who you want the main initiator to get to the rim. Faku doesn't really do that, not as well anyway. Um, Rivers and Dozier, I think they could also benefit from some rim gravity. Somebody who takes a little bit of the edge away from when they have to take their shots. Because those guys, either they pump fake in Rivers' case, or they rush it in Dozier's case. And Dozier shot pretty well to start. But it's very early, and he very well could go one of three, one of four for the next three to four games and be down to about 30% from three pretty quickly. So I don't think that this can be solved because I don't think that there's a rim roller on Denver's roster that can create that spacing down the middle of the floor. We're going to see. Maybe Zeke Naji gets an opportunity. Maybe I'm underselling Jamichael Green or Jeff Green as a rim roller, but they haven't really used those guys in that degree that much. Number eight, to what degree does Faku's lack of shooting matter? He's 0% from three so far. He hasn't hit a three. He's looked really bad in the preseason. Actually, he airballed several times in the preseason, and he barely drew iron on his three attempts this past game. It's really bad. It is a really, really, really bad setup for him to be in Denver's current offense with that bench unit and not be able to shoot threes. Now, he's been awesome everywhere else. Don't get me wrong. His energy, his intensity, his defensive IQ, his ability to playmake for others, hit the pick and pop, they have all been positives. He's zooming around the court right now. He is doing a great job of making up for the lack of shooting, the kind of weakness in his game. He's found other ways to be a positive, and that's what you want to see from a good veteran player. Something that I think Austin Rivers hasn't really found is he's really struggled as a scorer, and he hasn't really made up for it in other ways. Faku has made up for it on the offensive and defensive end in a lot of cases. I'm not sure how to, how to quantify the lack of Faku shooting, like the, the overall impact of it. Because on one hand, in another bench configuration, where Denver has more shooting around him, a rim protector, a dribble creator, somebody else who could kind of take the pressure off of him, maybe he's a secondary creator as a primary instead. I think that there's a world where it doesn't mean as much. On the other hand, this bench unit is built around having a primary playmaker who can score, who can create, who can get downhill, kind of like a, a Paul George type, kind of like somebody who you generally run a defensive lineup around, but they can all shoot, they can all space the floor, but you'd prefer that they don't do the creating themselves. A lot of times you would then kind of run a switching system where Paul George or somebody similar were to find a mismatch and were to take advantage of the mismatch. And then once they create that mismatch opportunity, then it starts the chain reaction of the pick and pops, of the rotations, of the kicks and drives and trying to find the weakness in the zones and the weakness in the defense in order to generate a great shot. 
The problem is, is that Denver can't start that right now. Not with Faku out there, along with Rivers, Dozier, Green, and Green. It's just not going to happen. It never will. So the fact that Faku can't shoot, it kind of matters. It, it kind of does. It's not debilitating because it shouldn't be all on him to do those things. He's a facilitator. He's not a primary playmaker. Either way, I'd love to see him hit some shots. He could make up for this if he hits three shots in the next game. If he can make up for the fact that the defense isn't guarding him, or when they do give him space and he takes the quick shot, that he actually makes it as opposed to airballs it. That would be great. Number nine, should the ball be in P.J. Dozier's hands more frequently? This is kind of that mentality. This is kind of the the next level of that Paul George type discussion. I am not comparing P.J. Dozier to Paul George, but if we are doing comparisons, P.J. Dozier is a lot closer to it than Faku Campazo is. And there's a possibility that Denver could be at their best when they have somebody like P.J. Dozier, or maybe it's staggering with Will Barton, even Michael Porter, even Monte Morris maybe. There's, there's at least some, some idea there. That if you have the ball in a scorer's hands more frequently, somebody who has that mentality that can also pass, then it might change the offense. It might give you an opportunity to kind of make up for some of those deficiencies. I've really liked what I've seen from P.J. Dozier. It's been mostly catch and shoot. There have been occasional playmaking opportunities where the ball has been in his hands He's had a good uh, pocket pass. He's had good driving kicks. Point being, I really liked what I've seen from PJ. I think he's a very talented player who has the ability to assume more responsibility in general. And I think he deserves that chance that if they're not going to change the lineup, then they should probably change the responsibilities. That's all my point is really. It's not meant to denigrate Faku. It's not meant to denigrate anybody else in the rotation uh, because Austin Rivers could be taking some more responsibility as well, and he just hasn't been good. But PJ has the talent to do that. I think he has the capability to do that for sure, and he absolutely could get that done. Number 10, though, when will Bones Highland make his debut? This is another guy who could definitely get this done. But it's a question about what Michael Malone wants, what the Nuggets want, what he's willing to deal with. I firmly believe that the reason why Bones Highland wasn't in the rotation initially was because of locker room dynamics, was because of not a promise but more of giving the veterans the first opportunity to prove that they deserve to play. Faku has come out uh, like a cannon, like shot out of a cannon, and has played very hard, played very well. It hasn't always been successful, but he's done some great stuff defensively, made some good passes, just needs to figure out the shot. Austin Rivers has been given that opportunity. I don't think he's done enough with it to really say that he can be safe in this case from Bones Highland 
making his debut. Because it's pretty clear that in the preseason, Bones outplayed those guys. He outplayed both of them. He even outplayed Monte. Now, Monte was always going to be the starter. You knew that that was going to happen. You didn't expect that Bones would make his way into the rotation immediately. But the fact is, is that his skill set, his dynamic ability to create for himself and others is going to help that bench unit if given the opportunity. They just need to be in a situation where they can give him the opportunity and are willing to do so. I think Michael Malone wants to give Austin Rivers at least a final opportunity or two to try and get it done. What I will say is that if you are Michael Malone and Austin Rivers struggles on Monday night against uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers and a pretty poor depth unit from the Cavs in the backcourt, then I don't think that you can make the change to Bones Highland on a back-to-back against the Utah Jazz on Tuesday night. I think you have to wait until the next couple days. But I do think that you have to make a change at that point because the data is starting to pile up. It is getting real bad where the bench unit just isn't working and it would be malpractice to continue banging your head against the wall, hoping that a solution presents itself for a group that hasn't figured it out. I remember uh, at the beginning of last season where Denver was still undergoing struggles, but like they lost to Sacramento, they lost to the Clippers on Christmas. Bull Bull was in the lineup for those two games. He came off the bench at backup power forward, played next to Isaiah Hartenstein. It was kind of a mess. He didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know how to play hard. He didn't know how to be in the right spot. And after two games, Michael Malone made the call. Now, I think Austin Evers gets more leeway than Bull Bull, but I do think he still needs a leash in this case. You can't just let him have free reign, let the bench entirely have free reign, and not say anything about it. I think you can say good things about each of the performances of Faku, PJ, Green, and Green. Those guys individually have had their moments. I'm not sure you can say the same thing about Austin Rivers. So, will Bones make his debut? It's either going to come on Monday night, or it's probably going to come on Friday night. Both of those games are at home. Both of those games are in front of home fans. Uh, Both of those are after two days off where you get an opportunity to kind of have a practice to kind of work things in. Maybe you talk to those guys, be in a situation where you know you're going to play and you know you're going to play the day before. It's a little bit better than knowing you're going to play that night. So we'll see. We will see what happens. But as I said, two back-to-backs upcoming. Monday versus Cleveland. Tuesday at Utah on TNT. Should be very fun. Two days off, then Friday versus Dallas on ESPN should also be very fun, and Saturday at Minnesota. That is a sneaky fun game. All of these games, I think, are are going to be very interesting for telling where Denver is. Cleveland, not a good opponent. They haven't really figured out their stride. They're playing three bigs. 
it should be a situation where Denver wins, where Michael Porter gets going, going, <coughs> excuse me, Tuesday, back-to-back at Utah on TNT. That crowd should be amped. Uh, they will be very excited to take it to Denver, and Denver's going to get their best shot. Then you're going to get your best shot against Dallas, too. Uh, Luka, that's the game. That's the player that Aaron Gordon was brought in to defend, him and Kawhi. So I am very curious to see how Aaron Gordon responds to that. And then at Minnesota, we got Jokic versus Cat. Hard to argue with that one. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support over the course of these past few weeks. It has been incredible, and I don't get to be where I am today without the help of all of you, without the the love and support. So thank you so much. Uh, If you need anything, reach out. Absolutely will answer in the comments and DMs, things like that. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.